You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by the good folks at Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. Today, I share my conversation with Washington linebacker Thomas Davis Sr. Now, we chatted before much was known about his calf injury. I still don't know the severity of it, but it certainly kept him out of the starting lineup. We talked about leadership, Ron Rivera his exchange with quarterback Dwayne Haskins on a mic'd up segment earlier in training camp. What happened after that segment aired? I also talked to ESPN's Tim McManus about the team he covers, Sunday's opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. Some good intel on Washington's first opponent. And don't forget you can read my work on ESPN.com. There are season previews on the site. I'll also have a look back at quarterback Alex Smith's journey this summer, to a roster spot with fresh interviews, including with his father, one of his doctors, and Urban Meyer. That will be out Saturday morning. Before I get to my conversation with Thomas Davis, I wanted to share some predictions for the season. On ESPN.com, my predicted record for Washington was 6-10. That might seem a little bit optimistic. One thing I don't go, though, by is the schedule. And you can look at the schedule and say, oh, man, this is tough. When you were 3-13, and 13, every game looks tough. I don't just go by the schedule alone. I think that's a mistake. Too often I hear people look at the schedule and say, no way they can win this game or that game. We all do it. But things change in the NFL based on injuries. So how do we really know what a team will look like in a month, let alone two? It only matters about the week they're playing that team. So I predict based on a number of other factors what I feel about that team. Do they feel like a 9-7 team, 10-6, 3-13, whatever. Last year you knew it was going to be a disaster. For some reason I still said 7-9 because that's what I thought in the spring and I stuck to it. But coming out of camp last year, you knew it was going to be a disaster. The year before, I had them at 8-8. I missed by a game. Some years you're close. Some years you're right. Some years you're far off. The hard part this year is that we really don't know what Washington has because we've only seen them play against themselves. It's hard to get an accurate measure. And I also think a lot of people outside of Washington and maybe some inside are basing a record on what they perceive as a building in chaos. July was brutal. So much stuff going on. But that didn't impact the current players and really has no bearing on their final record. You have to separate all the craziness from what you see on the field or what you're seeing building within that team structure. There are a lot of ongoing issues. We know that. They don't involve the players, though. It's on the owner. I also think it's worth wondering if if Dan Snyder will somehow find a way to mess this up. And I know you're wondering the same. That's for a future discussion, and that's something about a long-range screw-up more than it is just the immediate time. Anyway, 
they're better than at the end of last season, and I don't think it's really close. They have a better head coach. They have a better defensive coordinator. They have a potentially dynamic defensive end in Chase Young. And yeah, their QB is better. That means they're better than a three-win team, but by how much? Because there are a lot of other factors that limit the optimism as far as a 2020 record is concerned. It is a new offense. There was far less time on the field, and for a young quarterback, that's detrimental. We don't know how long it will take for them to mesh on offense. We don't know how the left side of the line will fare. Last year, at least, while it was a new left side with Donald Penn and Eric Flowers, it was an experienced one. Jaron Christian and Wes Martin haven't played much. And there are many questions surrounding Christian in particular. The thing I worry about early in the year for inexperienced offensive lines is how do they handle the stunts, all the games that lines are going to present. I think Washington's defensive front can take advantage of the same, but I worry about that from this for, for this offensive line. It's hard to like the receiver depth because we just don't know. After Terry McLaurin, there are questions. I do like Steven Sims a lot. And yes, he did finish well. So I'm going to put him in the in the category of I think I know what we're going to get from him. Um, Beyond that, no clue. Logan Thomas would be a fine number two tight end option. Here, he's the number one tight end option. He's looked good at times, but again, there's a difference when you're the number one versus the number two and who you're getting for matchups, etc. I like the running backs. As you should remember, I was high on J.D. McKissick after they signed him. I, I liked how I felt like he was underused in Detroit. I think he could be a guy that that you enjoy this year. I love the way they're going to use their backs. With a lot of two-back sets, a lot of motion, you're going to see a lot of jet action, which you, which has been in place, you know, was in place last year. But I think it's the action off the jet that will be a, that will definitely be different. I don't know how productive they're going to be, but it will cause confusion and problems for a defense. Then it's a matter of can they take advantage. I understand why they moved on from Adrian Peterson. I just think it's the style of play didn't fit his. It does fit these other backs. If you're playing fantasy football. I'm taking Antonio Gibson late. I think he's going to have some big games. I don't know when it's going to switch for him. I do think he's the guy that going into the season, they're talking about as well, not just us and and outside, but I think internally as well as a guy that could be a guy who makes some big plays because of all the different ways he can be used and and, and and that versatility. I don't know how it plays out, but going into the year, that's what you're looking at. I don't, and again, who knows when it's going to hit because it does take time to to learn how to play in the NFL. Again, they've only seen practice. They haven't had that transition from preseason practice to preseason games. And then the next step, which is a regular season game, there is a difference in speed between uh, practice and preseason game. And then certainly a huge leap from practice speed to game speed. That's what they're going to have to take. That's what you're going to have to get used to. And that's what we don't know how they're going to fare there. That's why the loss of preseason games was big. Fans don't like them, but it's, a, it's definitely a help for, for young guys. And this is a young team. I definitely think Dwayne Haskins has matured and he's far different than he was a year ago at this time. People who wrote him off and still write him off because of how he looked in his first two games are kind of silly. You always need to see how an athlete responds to adversity. Yes, you would like to have liked them to have taken a certain approach from the start, but maybe this is what it took for him. He always worked hard. I think he had to sharpen his focus on where he worked and how often, et cetera, and work at an NFL level. I've said that for a year, and I think it, and his people close to him say the same thing. Regardless, he was challenged and so far has responded. I know there are still some questions internally about how good he can be or if he can carry a team that lacks more weapons. 
Can he do all the things necessary as a pocket passer to survive? How will his mobility help him? I don't. He's not going to become, you know, clearly not going to become Lamar Jackson, but can he be more mobile? And how can they incorporate that into the game? I think they will. So there are still, there's still, there's obviously a lot of questions about him. He's only had 21 starts in college in the NFL combined. It's just not enough. There's a long way to go here, I think, with him still. But I don't doubt that he's better and better than at the end of last year. That won't always mean better stats, but I, but in terms of his development as an NFL quarterback, he is further along, no doubt. Still, there are too many questions on offense, and I think it would take a big leap of faith to think all would be answered in the affirmative. You can make a case, but it's really hard to make a case for all of them. Defensively, there's a lot to like starting up front. I also like the mindset of the group. I've seen nothing from Chase Young that suggests he'll be anything but good, but how fast will he become that way? For ESPN, I did make a bold prediction with him. And remember, they said bold. So I went bold. And I had him with setting an NFL record with 15, rookie record with 15 sacks. I have no idea if that's going to happen. But they asked for bold. So I went bold. I do what I think what it's what it what I'm really communicating here is I think he's that talented. And if he stays healthy, he's going to have a really good year. It's the mindset and the approach that he has that I really like a lot and that I know they like a lot. I was surprised by the starting linebackers. I know people were, some people there were definitely excited about Cole Holcomb at the start of camp, the coaches and in front office included. While Troy Apke was a camp surprise, I don't think enough was said about Sean Dion Hamilton. I have always liked his instincts, but worried about his size. He's smaller than you think, but he does play fast. When he sees it, he goes gets it. And I know he did not impress them before the pads came on. There was very little talk, I was told, going into the padded portion about Sean Deion Hamilton more so, or at least not from a starting perspective, certainly. After that, I'm told, and I've told you this before, he became a big topic of discussion among the coaches. That's why he's on the field. And I think, you know, I think clearly there suggests that yeah, he had passed Holcomb. That's why he's starting. Regardless, Holcomb will rotate in with that st- with those first three, um, the fir- with the starters. And I'm curious to see if Kevin Pierre-Lewis has really started to ascend as Jack Del Rio believes. I did not see that happening either. He, he seemed like he was a good depth signing when they got him and someone who could help on teams because he's got the speed. He says he's more physical this year, um, and I think, or at least started to get more physical at the end of last year, and that's made a difference in his game. So let's see if that continues. I have questions at corner. They look good this summer, but was it because of who they were facing or because they're solid? I liked Ronald Darby. We'll get into that with Tim McManus in a few minutes. I thought he was really good again in press. I felt like he was very patient. He didn't open up his hips too much or too soon, so that was a good sign. But I know that he's had problems in the past, so we'll see. He's got to stay healthy. Troy Apke did look better. He definitely looked better. But it's really hard to accurately gauge a safety just based on practice. I've seen this over the years. Guys can look good in practice as safety. <clears throat> it's all about coming up and making the stops when needed. Are you taking the right angles to that? And then when you get there, are you making the play? Can he do that? We're going to find out because I really, I can't tell you that he is. I can only tell you that he looked good in training camp practices. But overall, this should be, should be a solid group. And I like the players. I like that players say Del, Jack Del Rio's defense is easier for them to grasp. Now, you to be honest, you kind of always hear that when there's a new coordinator in there. They always talk about things like that. But Del Rio has a track record, and so did Greg Minuski. Their track records are what they are. And I heard this constantly with Minuski about how 
guys felt confused. And so that led to confusion with, in, in when it came to communicate. And that led to breakdowns and big plays. It doesn't mean this defense is simple, but it's one that is more conducive to them learning and learning to, and then being allowed to play fast. Having said that, it's still a new defense to them, and there's still new players on this defense. And communication occurs from familiarity with one another and the defense. There will be hiccups because you just can't have you just can't throw a new group out there and expect them to mesh right away and say, oh, "Okay, they have talent. Now you go play." It's like Del Rio said, not about talent here anymore. It's about production. Too often we've heard about all this talent on this defense, and then they don't produce. What you need is production. I think, and so I think we'll see. It's going to be more than just about the talent, but I do like what they have, and I do think they can develop over the course of the season and and be a pretty good defense. Mostly, this season is about laying a foundation. Ron Rivera is taking a long-range approach to building something here. Will he get the time? That's on owner Dan Snyder. Can Snyder can Snyder let the people he has who are good people in charge, and I don't mean just good as great, you know, they're nice guys, but they're good at what they do. Will he give them the ability to do and execute what they do well? That's something that we can't answer right now because we don't know. He's got a two-decade track record. You can draw your own conclusions. But if, if, it, if, they, if he lets it play out, I think it could be pretty good. When you start off, as, as Rivera has, by talking about building relationships and going about it this way, it can take longer. But I think at the end, it can yield more fruit. Again, if he gets the time. Players have bought into him, it seems. There does appear to be a good bond developing. That's all good. He steadied a ship that was out of control, and leadership matters. The key will be, if they struggle early, and I think they will, how do they respond? That's when we'll really see how strong the bond is between players and between players and coaches. It will shape not only this season, but perhaps the next few. I can easily see early struggles and a solid finish. 6-10 and ten might be a game too optimistic, and for some reason I tend to round up on these predictions, but I'm betting on the foundation carrying them to the finish line. They need to come out of this season with foundational pieces. For example, if they have questions about Haskins after the season, that's not a good sign. But if he emerges, then Washington can set itself up for future success. That's it for me. Now, after this break, I'll be back with my conversation with Washington linebacker Thomas Davis. What happened after he had a mic'd up segment with Dwayne Haskins talking about something he saw Haskins do in practice? We'll get to that in a minute. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Washington linebacker Thomas Davis. One, one thing I wanted to ask you about too, before I get into some of the leadership stuff and all that, you know, today they, they released Adrian Peterson and you're a veteran. I'm sure, you know, there's a healthy respect there. What's it, what was it like for you to hear that news? Um, you know, it, it was disappointing. Whenever, you know, this is, this is one of the toughest points in any season. You know, this is my 16th year now going through it. Um, you know, you just come together and you just build bonds, you build relationships with your teammates. And um, whenever a guy gets cut, you know, it's always tough. And, you know, with Adrian Peterson being the guy that he is, you know, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And hearing um, coaches' reasonings and, and him talk about, you know, the reason they made the decision and during that time, and you, you can't help but to respect that and um, just wish AD well. Yeah, and with with Ron, you've been around him a long time. And one of the things I'm writing about is just there's a very consistent approach that he seems to take. I'm curious, like, what are some 
maybe some instances or, or examples of just like times where something happened and the way he handled it just stood out to you? You know, when you look at Coach Rivera and his coaching career, you know, he's he's been faced with some real um, tough situations. You know, he had to deal with the situation with the owner in Carolina. Um, you know, he had, you know, your starting quarterback have a car accident and get hurt the week of a game. You know, just from different little things like that in different instances, like he's had to face um, what I would call adversity. You know, he he stepped up. You know, he's done a great job. He He's never shied away from it. Um He's always been about doing what's best for the team. He's the guy that's going to step out um, front and center and let you know if things go bad, it's on him. Um, and when, you, don't find too many, you don't find too many head coaches that that are stepping out and doing that nowadays. And why do you think he is willing to do that? I think a big part of it is, you know, his background, you know, the way he grew up, the way that um, – um, he kind of got the job, you know, he, he, it, it didn't come easy for him. He had to work, you know, he had, he went through um, a lot of stuff, you know, when he left Chicago and the way that they did him. And then when he went to the Chargers and, and being able to earn the defensive coordinator job there and then, and finally becoming a head coach. And with him being a former player, I think that makes all the difference in the world when it comes to relating to players and understanding um, what guys are going through. Do you see, because he's talked about, you know, being not so much being a different coach second time around, but being able, you know, maybe to have a bigger imprint on things and all that. Do you see him doing anything different now that it's his second time as a head coach? You would have known what it was like when he first got to Carolina. Uh, You know, I definitely see some of the some of the things that he's tried to do differently. You know, um, a lot of things, you know, he learned over time, you know, with being the first time head coach in Carolina, you know, as the years went on and now he's implementing a lot of those things a lot earlier in the phase and in the process right now um, with this new organization. So it's, it's definitely uh, something that you, you definitely stands out to you as a player. You know, when you look at it, it's like, Hey, we didn't start doing some of this stuff till later on in his career, but now he's doing it and implementing things a lot earlier that are going to be very beneficial to the team. Like what? Um, I mean, just just little in-house stuff. Now, like like not things that you would think makes a major difference, but looking back on it for us as players, it, it definitely um, meant the world. And, it, and it's all about the little things, you know, just being more detailed and and and, and fine-tuned with the little things. And that's something that he preaches to us all the time. You know, we we control, you know, our inner eight. You know, your attitude, your preparation, all of that. You you control that. So. That's something that um, Coach Rivera impressed upon us as the as the as his time went on in Carolina, and he's doing it now at an early stage here. So is it? It's more about what he's saying, or is there any little things like that he's having you guys do that you say, okay, this is an example of that? Um, not not nothing that really stands out from a from a standpoint of of action, but it's just making sure that we we're policing things and not letting things get out of hand and. Um, just make sure that we're staying on top of the little things, like I said. You also have said before that you feel like he he listens. Like when you've talked to him, he listens. Do you remember a time where you go to him with something where it's like, this is a concern of mine, and he heard you out and maybe either implemented a change or something? You know, we, t- we just different different practice schedules. Um, you know, he, he comes in, you know, we have an issue with it. He, he don't have a problem with changing. Just any little thing that we as players feel uncomfortable with, um, you, it's important to be able to have a coach that you can go talk to that, that truly understands and is not 
like close-minded when it comes to things like that. When you have a guy like that that listens to you and understands you from uh, where you're coming from as a player, then you want to go out and compete as hard as you possibly can for that coach. Was he always like that for you there? Always. Always. He was, he was always um, a listening ear for us, you know, whether it's football, whether it's life, just anything that we brought to him, you know, he was always there for his guys. And then we, because, you know, for you, again, you say, was it a practice schedule? It was mostly for you. Was it more about like, hey, this is might be what's best for us going forward? And he just said, okay, that makes sense. Absolutely. And then, you know, you're obviously, I want to talk about leadership too, because that's a big thing for you. And the other day, a couple, a week or two ago, you were mic'd up, I think by, um, I don't know if it was by the Redskins or the Washington House stuff. And it was kind of fun to hear it because you get a feel for what a guy goes through. One of the things you talked, you did in there is you went to Ron and said, hey, do you need me to do this right now? How important is that to you know, to know that he, like, do you just know what he might need from you at a given time by the, at this point? Yeah, for sure. You know, that's that's one of the things, you know, that, that I talked about being the little things, you know, it's um, certain phases of practice and certain things he likes to do a certain way. And, you know, for us, defensively we got to understand like it's not it's it's out of the norm you know it's not what you're accustomed to but it's not something that you need to complain about because at the end of the day it's going to make us a better defense than going out and doing things the way that he wants us to do them. how long did it take you to become the kind of leader you wanted to be um i'm still working on it i'm still working on it i think that's one of the things that you know you can always be better at but for me I, I, I view leadership in a way that um, you have to be willing to do any and everything that you, you're willing to ask somebody else to do. And, you know, that's always been me as a player. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do or that I'm not already doing. And you just got to understand that you got to have the team's best interest at heart whenever you're making decisions. So along with that, in that video, you go up and talk to Dwayne about him tipping some like a pass off for you and like, hey, you you know, go back and watch the film. You'll see what I see. Is that something that's just because I know leadership encompasses, encompasses a lot of different things, but that is one of them, too, for you. How much do you like being in that role? And the other thing is, did he go back and watch the film? And were you right? I, I, I totally embraced that role. And he did go watch watch the film. And um, he saw exactly what I was talking about. You know, it's just one of those things as a defensive player that's been around this game for a long time, you see certain things a lot faster than, than most. And, you know, for me, I was able to pick up on that, but I don't want anybody else to be able to pick up on it. So that's something that I wanted to work with him on. So that when he's in that position again, you know, it leads to a much different play that could have possibly happened. Do you, did you see an improvement after that point from him working on that a little bit differently? Oh, no question. He's a guy that, that, even without us saying anything, you know, he come, he self-corrects. I think he's done a really good job of that, uh, you know, analyzing the mistakes that he makes the day before and not repeating those mistakes. And that's what you want to see in your starting quarterback. With the leadership, do you, do you read books on it? Do you talk to people? Like, cause you, you, you strike me as somebody who likes to learn about a lot of different things. So how do you go about improving in that area? Yeah, you know, um, I, I read a book on leadership a long time ago when I was in college, and it was John Maxwell's um, book. And Coach Rick gave us the book on leadership. And, you know, ever since then, you know, you start to learn some of those qualities and those attributes of, of being a good leader. And um, you just try to apply them to your life. And that's what I've been able to do as, as years have gone on.
And what do you like about being in that role? Because, not, again, not everybody wants to accept that. What do you like about it? You know, I, I, I embrace it. You know, I embrace it because, for me, I get as much joy and as much pleasure out of my team's success as I do individual success. And, and for me, it's all about um, doing whatever I can to help the team win. And if, and if that's coming in and just being that veteran presence that um, that's talking to guys about doing things the right way and understanding the um, importance of, of doing the little things, then, hey, I'm, I'm here for it. What do you, you know, the season's coming up soon. What do you think about what this group can do? And I know, like, from the outside world, they're going to see, oh, there were 3-13 and 13 last year. What do you see and what do you think can be done here? I see this is a new season. This is um, a total total new coaching staff. And, you know, we have the same opportunity as anybody else starting um, in a week or so. And it's all about going out and playing the game. You know, people sit down and they try to predict and dictate what you're going to be and what you're going to do. But nobody knows until the games are actually played. And that's the one thing that I love the most because – Nobody can tell you who you are or what you're going to do until you line up on that field and you show them. Anybody, you know, you're around a lot of new guys. Any of these young guys kind of jump out to you more than the other? I mean, we have a ton of young guys on this team, you know, and um, defensively, obviously, you know, you draft a guy number two overall, he better stand out. And Chase has done just that, man. He's he's a phenomenal player. He works hard. Um, he's a guy that um, has high energy, high motor, to go with the God-given athletic ability that he has, man, he's, he's going to be one of the good players around here for a long time. And Antonio Gibson on the offensive side, he's a guy that has definitely stood out to me. You know, I watched a lot of college football last year and, and watching him at Memphis, you know, he looks like a much smaller guy on TV than he actually right. is in person, man. He, he's a, he's a well-put-together kid, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in the NFL game. You know, it's funny you say that because, like, I was watching him last week, and like, he looks his lower body looks like a running back. He's he's got some he's thick down there. But the, I got two more questions for you too, Jerry Richardson. You brought that situation up with, with Coach Rivera. What do you remember about how he handled it? Was it was there a moment that he said something to you guys, or was it a situation he dealt with? What stood out with that? You know, he just he just got out in front of it. You know, and he he wasn't one of those people that shied away from the situation. Um, he stepped up and he was that voice of reasoning that we needed in that locker room and in that organization. Um, Coach Rivera took charge when Mr. Richardson was, wasn't in the building anymore. And I feel like he did a great job with it. Like, how did he take, like, did, was it something he said? Is it just like the manner he actions, did it in? Just his actions, the things that he did, um, he, he coupling the things that he did, the stuff that he was saying, you know, in the media to the players in the locker room, um, making sure that we didn't lose sight of the reason why we were there, and that was to play football games and to win football games, you know, just driving that message home. And, you know, just like I said, just being that voice of reason um, when it was so cloudy around it. Last one, Alex Smith. When he came back, and that like, you go back to that first practice when he's cleared, what was the reaction of guys in the locker room? Was there a moment where everybody clapped for him? Was there a moment where they people acknowledged that, um, that you know, when he had come back? No, we, we were definitely excited. You know, we definitely um, cheered him on. Um, seeing him back, seeing Reuben Foster back, getting those guys back on the field around the same time, man, was, was definitely exciting knowing, you know, what they've gone through from an injury standpoint, knowing what they were facing, you know, especially Alex. Um, and, and hearing that, you know, he, he possibly could have lost his life dealing with right. some surgeries and the things that he went through. But to see him, you know, overcome that and still be able to 
to have the drive and the passion to want to come back and play football, man, is, is definitely inspiring. And I'm, I'm excited that he's able to um, live out his dream. Did you ever go up to him in the locker room on the field or anything like that and just say anything to him? Oh, I, I mess with him all the time. You know, we came in in the same draft class, so we're, we're constantly calling each other the old guy. Um, <laughs> and just having fun with it, man, and just enjoying. Both of us are enjoying still um, being here at this point in our career. Was there a play on the field, though, where he did something, you go up to him and say, man, that's that's pretty good, or like, you know, or anything like that? Oh, it, there's, there's been several of those plays, you know, where whether it's, um, him standing in the pocket and delivering a, a accurate pass or him just rolling out of the pocket, you know, and, right. and seeing him not think about it, not not sit there and, and be like, oh, a worrying. He, he's putting the ball on the money, man. And, and whenever you have a guy that, that has gone through what he's gone through and, and, and go out and compete at the level that he competes, man, you, you definitely get excited and um, encouraged as a player. Thomas, listen, I appreciate your time. Um, thanks a lot. Have a nice weekend off. No problem. Appreciate it. Thank you. After this break, I'll be back with ESPN's Tim McManus as we chat about Sunday's game against the Philadelphia Eagles. You've heard me talking about Lone Oak Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lone Oak Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, loneoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E, OAKcoffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Tim McManus. Tim, I, I want to start off by just in general, because it's hard to know how these teams look because we didn't see any preseason games. How did the Eagles look this summer to you? Well, I think the first thing that comes to mind is they had issues along the offensive line. And that's the first time I can say that since, I don't know, I've been covering the team almost. I mean, there's just been some moving parts and some serious injuries that they've had to deal with. You know, Brandon Brooks earlier in the offseason tears his Achilles. And then the former first round pick, Andre Dillard, the projected left tackle goes down and he's supposed to be out for the season. And so all of a sudden, you know, what does Carson Wentz's front look like? What does his blind side look like? And they got yeah. good news with Jason Peters deciding he's going to bump over to the left tackle. So that's good. But there's just so little depth or at least proven depth behind this front right now, uh, particularly on the blind side. You know, the other guys who would potentially be tackles have zero NFL starts between them at that position. And so that's the first thing that jumps out is that the offensive line is a little shaky. Uh, but the rest of the unit, I would say, looks good. I mean, they have a, a, a established quarterback in Wentz, a high-end quarterback. They have faster 
better weapons uh, that are surrounding him right now. And the defense, you have Darius Slay, which improves that secondary. And they also bolstered the defensive front with Javon Hargrave. And so I think that the, uh, the the team overall looks pretty good. I think if you compare it to the, the rest of the, the groups around the NFL, but that O-line's a question mark. And Darius Slay is a guy, because I really, I mean, a lot of people like him. I don't think I'm any different saying that. He had a really good matchup with Terry McLaurin when he was in Detroit last year. What does, what does he add and why, what, what, and you're watching him up close, what makes him good? Well, he definitely adds kind of that elite cornerback that Jim Schwartz hasn't had since he came here in in 2016. And, and that means that the cornerbacks have been stationary for the most part. They're staying on their sides. It's just whoever comes to them comes to them. Uh, but they've made it pretty clear that that's going to change with Darius Slay in Philadelphia, that he's going to travel like he has for, you know, a bulk of his career. And he went up against McLaurin last year and it didn't have right. great success against him. And, and he admitted that he, not that he took him lightly, but maybe that he surprised him a little bit, that the, he didn't study him the way that he studies right. Amari Cooper and guys like that. And so, yeah, it's not like Slay this summer has like shined in every moment. I, I feel like there's been some practices better than others, uh, but one in particular where he's going head up on Deshaun Jackson, who makes everybody look silly, as you've seen. Uh, yes. and personal during practice, during training camp practice, makes everybody look silly. And Slay has gotten beaten by by Jackson, but also there's been reps where he's been stride for stride, where the technique was perfect, and where he didn't let Jackson get behind him. And I think that's what you're going to see is once he turns the the Jets on is one of the the best corners in the game, and that's going to make everything easier for Schwartz and, and the rest of that unit. And you know it's funny because the guy, one of the corners who looked really, who has looked good here this summer, is Ronald Darby, mm. and he he's been. The hard part to know though is that outside of McLaurin, and you also have Stephen Sims in the slot who can be pretty good and effective. But outside of McLaurin, their outside receivers, they have a lot to prove. I'll just put it that way. And so it's hard to know just where Darby's at, but he has looked good for them. And I mean, I guess and the biggest problem with him up there was was more or less the injuries, right? Yeah, that was a, definitely a big part of it. And then just inconsistency. And so I'm not surprised that he is looking good, you know I mean? Because he has the physical attributes. He does. And he can really hang with anybody. Uh, and there are moments where you where you watch him play and you're like, man, this guy, this guy's good. Uh, but then there's yeah. also where there's these like once it gets into a game setting where there's lapses and maybe the tackling isn't always where it needs to be. And then there's just some points where he just looks bad. Uh, so but, the, you know, injuries were a factor here. So it's possible that that he puts it all together in Washington. But, you know, at least from my experience in, in Philly covering him, I would expect some ups and downs. You're very high on Miles Sanders. Um I know in your bold prediction that we had to do, and my bold prediction is that Chase Young's getting 15 sacks. I don't know. They want it bold. I couldn't say he's going to get seven and a half. But with Sanders, I mean, you have him leading the NFL in combined yards. Why are you know whether he does or not? Clearly, you're high on him. What what is it that you're seeing um, that that pushes you to that point? Yeah, he's got his work cut out for him I mean, to, to get back uh, <laughs> yeah, off of that crown. But uh, but. <laughs> You know, he still finished eighth last year in all-purpose yards. And if you just look at the timeline, he was a rookie, number one. Uh, Howard, Jordan Howard was ahead of him for a good portion of that season. And he only ended up playing about 50% of the snaps. And it's just, I mean, if you just look at the depth chart right now, you have Boston Scott be, behind him and Corey Clement. But there's really, he has, and the coaches uh, have said this, he is going to be 
the lead back. He's going to be the the premier running back. And he showed in his rookie season uh, that he is he's excellent out of the backfield. That's something I didn't really know coming out of Penn State, that he had the kind of hands that he had because he wasn't right. asked to do that. Uh, but he's going to be lining up in the slot. He's going to be rushing the ball in a, in a traditional sense, and they're going to be running a lot of the offense through Miles Sanders. So if he can finish eighth last year where he had only half the snaps, just imagine what he can do when he has you know, a bigger repertoire, where he has more experience, and where he has a, a bigger you know, plate full in terms of the offense. So I, I expect a big season out of him. Then you got you got Jason Peters at left tackle, and Washington will you will rotate their ends or at least move them around. So Chase Young will be over there at times. He'll be against Lane Johnson at times. But with Jason Peters, he is older, and I know he's still a good tackle. But where where do you think he is at in that? And and I don't know. I, I don't probably we have. I don't know if you even talked to those guys about that matchup. But um, where do you feel Peters is at with at this stage in his career? I mean, can he still be a really can, can he still be a good tackle? Yeah, I think he can still be a good tackle. But at 38 years old, he's not, you know, at that super high end in terms of the athleticism that we saw. But he can still move, and he's got a lot of power. And I think above all, he's got knowledge, uh, deep root right. knowledge. He could end up being a coach when he's done with this. He just knows the position very well. And so that will help him uh, be in the, the right position a lot of the time. But there is a concern, and I would say especially going up against so, uh, somebody like Young, so right. early in the season because Peters has been practicing all all training camp at right guard and he's been training all a good portion of the offseason to play guard and while you know he certainly knows left tackle now he's got to get his mind and his body reacclimated to that side and also what we've seen over the last handful of years is that he's had injuries that have slowed him down that have taken him out of games and so I do very much worry about him being able to make it to the finish line. And I also worry about how he'll start uh, because of the fact that he hasn't been training there. And so, you know, maybe uh, Chase Young will get off to a good start in that pursuit of 15 sacks. There you go. I, 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 I could use that. Carson, how did Carson look? I thought he looked uh, pretty good. I mean, he's never been one to, to be outstanding in a training camp or practice setting every every once in a while but I feel like he's just one of those guys when the when the lights come on it's in real time he's reacting he's getting out of the pocket he's he's making plays like that's when you see the the true Wentz uh but one I thing think Washington he, fans have seen that a lot yeah yeah no no question and uh and I like where his head is at I mean you can tell from the experiences that he had last year where he was able to rally a young group of all practice squad players and around him four straight wins into the playoffs that was a, a sea change for him I mean he he re really established himself as kind of the the leader of this team in that moment and it did a lot for his confidence and his standing in the locker room and so he carries himself that way now uh you know it's not Malcolm Jenkins in the middle of the the circle now it's it's Carson Wentz and so I think that this is a year that everything could come together for him because he's in year five in the NFL year five in Doug Peterson's system. Yeah. He's got Jalen Rager around him. He's got two really good tight ends around him. Obviously, I'm high on Miles Sanders. He has him in the backfield. And Sean Jackson is still kicking. And so uh, I think that he's set up for a pretty good season here as long as he can stay healthy, obviously. How explosive can this offense be then? I mean, it, it has the potential. Even though Jackson 
is in his 30s and he's coming off of, you know, the the tear in his abdomen. He looks as fast as I've seen him. It's unbelievable. Really? Yeah. I don't guy I mean, is unbelievable. He is unbelievable. It's crazy. I, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he's still like one of the fastest players in the entire league. And it's still a real challenge for any defensive back to to get within arm's length of him when he's running around. It's it's crazy. I don't know if it's going to last. I mean, that's obviously the question. Because if he goes down, then you're talking about, you know, Alshon Jeffrey might come back at some point, but then all of a sudden you're talking about a real young and experienced group. And it's like, you know, is, is this the same thing as 2019 all over again for Wentz? So there's some question marks there, but if, if Jackson can stay healthy and you add Reger and Reger does have that explosiveness, he's probably not ready for this game. Uh, but I right. think he's going to come back from that shoulder tear probably by week two or week three. Uh, yeah, I mean, they have the chance to, to get yards in chunks, and that's something that was missing from this offense last year. I miss talking to Deshaun when he when, – when, I, I enjoy talking to him here. He just has a way about him that's kind of fun. So um, I, I enjoyed him, and I miss talking to him. Um, last one, Tim, and I appreciate you joining me. When you look at the starting group, where's your biggest question or concern with, with the Eagles? You know, the offensive front we addressed, and I would say when you get into the middle of the defense, it's also a concern. Uh, they have so little experience there. I mean, TJ Edwards, a second-year player, they're, they're high on him. You know, Nate Gary, um, you know, they, they talk him up pretty big. But when you look at it big picture, they are last in the league in money spent on the linebacker position, mm-hmm. and it shows. I mean, and so when you get some teams that are going to punch them in the mouth up the gut um, or if there's a, you know, a tight end that that comes on and can really uh, give them fits. I mean, I think there's going to be times where that shows up and and their hope is that the is that, you know, they're not really ever built that way, dependent on linebackers uh, and they're hoping the defensive front cleans up a lot of the mess and, and some of the secondary does as well. But I would say those are the two areas, the offensive line. In the middle of that defense, the linebackers are two to keep an eye on if we're looking at areas that could hold them back. And I would ask you for your prediction, but we're taping this on Tuesday, and I know we don't have to turn it in until Thursday so people can check out on ESPN.com what both of our predictions are for this game. I think that I think that runs Friday or Saturday. I think usually Fridays. Is that right? Okay, I think there we go. Yeah, so, we'll, so if people want to know what we think, they can go check it out for a score and then lose money based on whatever I say. So yeah, I got to study that Jason Peters Chase Young matchup a little harder. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Tim, thanks a lot, man. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. That's it for this episode. Thank you to Washington linebacker Thomas Davis and ESPN's Tim McManus for joining me. A big shout out to Lono Coffee for their continued sponsorship. And a major thanks to you for listening, not just now, but throughout this crazy offseason with all the stuff going on in the world, in the country, and with this football team. We made it, folks. Football is back. Look for the next podcast Monday morning after Washington's game against Philadelphia. Talk to you next time.